The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Beyond and hello and welcome to IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm your host, Max Scoville, and I'm joined today by Jada Griffin. Hello. hello. And calling in from L.A., Nick Lamone. Welcome, Nick. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. I have you both here. I've gathered you for the ulterior motive of talking about Final Fantasy 16. We're going to have a nice spoiler-free chat about that in a minute. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. Cinefix, IGN's movie-loving sister channel, is launching a new show where hosts Clint Gage, Michael Calibro, and Alex Stedman tackle the best films ever made. They each crafted a list of their 100 favorite films, and then their producer, Dan, that meddling rascal, mixed them up with his own mystery algorithm to make the Cinefix top 100. It's a puzzling process, but the result? 100 must-watch movies, each explored in-depth every week, from the magic behind Terminator 2 to things that you didn't know about Sunset Boulevard. They've got it covered. The Cinefix Top 100 kicks off July 3rd. Catch it every Monday on IGN, Cinefix's YouTube, and popular podcast platforms and if you want a little something from yours truly i did a top 10 animated action movies video which is like 32 minutes long and that's one of my favorite things i ever made at ign and i still found a way to talk about elden ring in the process even though that is not an animated action movie now it should be though it should be maybe i don't mm-hmm. know it gets uh get studio ghibli on the phone or something i think that could be cool uh Anyway, let's get into Final Fantasy 16. Let's let's talk about this. This is obviously uh, the biggest PlayStation 5 game of the year to date, exclusive. Yeah. If not one of the only. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're not. We, we maybe excluding the thing that made it came out for that expensive hat. You know, maybe it's probably it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> hey, you know, hats are hats are important. Sorry to put you on the hot spot about the PlayStation VR. I it's okay. You, you it, love yours so much. I love mine. Just open it. it. I'm just keeping it in mint condition. Uh, eventually, I'll get it graded, yeah. and then I'll be able to resell it for more money. Hopefully. You know why in not? The year three thousand and ten. Okay, so let's get into this. Final Fantasy sixteen. Hugely anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, people seem to really, really enjoy it. I'm kind of amazed at how like overwhelmingly popular the reception has been. Uh, I have just barely scratched the surface. I, I feel like I, I don't know. It, it, I, I want it. I want to get into it. I, I want it to get its hooks into me. But it's like, you know, it's obviously like a pretty massive undertaking. And there's there's things that it's doing that I don't love. But I want to hear from both of you. What's the best thing about Final Fantasy 16? So look, before we get in that, what what are you not loving so far? <sighs> I don't like I don't like it being completely medieval fantasy. Okay, no, that's fair. And I don't like that it's not open openish world. You know, like I feel like, and you know, there's the there's the 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 most frustrating caveat for any video game is it takes about six hours to open up. Yeah, 
it, yeah. it, which is pretty standard these days. Like, I feel like that's almost part of like the tutorial where it's just, and I, you know, all of the Yakuza games are guilty of this. Mm -hmm. uh, so many games are, but I feel like especially after, you know, stuff like uh, Elden Ring and Tears of the Kingdom, where it's just kind of like, you're go. in a world, go nuts. Um, you know, it's nice to have that sort of hit the ground running feel. Um, but that said, I don't want people to get mad at me for not loving something that they love. So I'd rather <laughs> yeah. highlight the positive. No, for sure. Say it on my own shortcomings. As no, a person. I, I agree with you. I'm not the high fantasy medieval fantasy. Isn't really my jam. Um, so like the story is fine, but I'm not a huge game of Thrones fans. Feel free to come at me in the comments, whatever. I don't care. I didn't like game of Thrones. Um, and so like, that's not really doing a lot of work for me. The thing that's doing work for me that I'm enjoying about the story, despite its location and its setting is the performances from all the characters. Sid, Clive, Joshua, Jill, everybody is doing amazing work. And Torgal, Torgal is the best boy. Um, his performances are amazing. Um, and so like, that's really what's drawing uh, me in is like the emotion that you can really see. Clive is probably the most expressive main character we've ever gotten in a Final Fantasy. Um, like Cloud or anybody else could only hope to ever be as expressive and just endearing and charming as Clive is. And it's very weird to say that for, from a character named Clive. Yeah, I really wasn't... I, mean, I feel like that was just a... You know when somebody has a name you weren't expecting, you're like, okay. Yeah, it's like it's like it's. What a girl, why not? It, it's so weird, <laughs> like the the distinction in this game between like character names. It's like you've got like Archduke Elwin and uh, you know um, who's some of the other old time name old timey names, Nick. Um, oh, I mean, like I don't like, know, man. I just like, think of all the weird names like Dion and stuff like that. Like, I'm like Caron, I wish, more, I wish like, there were more people named like, Dion around. And then there's Caron and stuff like that. And then you've got Clive, yeah. Joshua, and Jill. And I'm just like, where, where's the disconnect, guys? Like, I, I mean, it's it's no Jack from Stranger of Paradise, but true. You know, Clive is a close second. Uh, but no, yeah, just just to kind of piggyback off what Jada's saying, like for me. I eat high fantasy up like with a big old spoon, drink it up with a big milkshake straw. And uh, <laughs> I think the thing that really does it for me for Final Fantasy with its high fantasy is that it kind of echoes a little bit of dark fantasy that you would see from something like Berserk, obviously not as mm -hmm. uh, intense or as explicit, but I think that it does just enough to kind of tantalize without like being overtly gross. And I think that's what the first two hours of the game really do a good job of highlighting is, as Jada said, the character drama and also just the overarching story. And I think that the story is very strong until about halfway through the game. And then it kind of turns into your, instead of a Game of Thrones story, it just turns into a Final Fantasy story halfway through, which is not a bad thing since it is... A Final Fantasy game, mm -hmm. um, but I was just a little bit surprised at how the story evolved. But how, how long going is, back to how the long character, is a playthrough? Would you say if you just mainline it, about thirty-five hours? Okay, if you not, just yeah, do terrible. the main yeah. quest. But I, I think I probably put about eighty-five to ninety hours in, hundred percenting the game at least for my first playthrough. I, I'm still in the middle of a Final Fantasy playthrough. That's the the new game plus. That's the that's what it's called, Final Fantasy mode. But yeah, I did all the hunts and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, probably about 
80 hours? Yeah, I think I'm about 60 and I'm about probably 80% through the story right now. I probably would have finished it, but I, you guys knowing me, um, I put a extra like challenge on my playthrough to where for all of the, uh, the hunts on the hunt board, I have to beat them without taking any damage. Um, oh and you put attacks so, on all the face buttons. Yes, I also did that. Yes, so I'm bleeding. I'm literally sure. bleeding for Final <laughs> Fantasy. Um, but yeah, um, so no damage in any of those fights. And some of those fights can be pretty intense. Um, I've done. They're really fun. I think I've done 17 out of the 20 so far that I've unlocked with no damage. So I've only got three left, and two of them just appeared. And there's only one of them that's been uh, holding me up. Uh, and Nick, I'm pretty sure you know which one that is. Um, it's mm-hmm. our, our, our big, a big red fan friend. Um, but yes, um, but yeah. So I, I don't like. I get the arbitrary difficulty, but why are you doing this to yourself? The game doesn't. You don't even get rewarded for doing it. I that know. Way, I don't. I just. <laughs> I like having those clips. Like I've got all the clips saved and stuff like that. So maybe I'll Dang. cut them together after my playthrough and put them all together and little nice long things. I get through those fights by the skin of my teeth and I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, great. He's dead. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, no. I mean, one thing that's sort of been an adjustment here, and this is not a thing I have a problem with, uh, is that this is a straight action game. You know, it's still an RPG and this Mm -hmm. is obviously a bone of contention for some diehard fans of the series, but like this, I mean, it's some of the isn't it some of, some of the combat designers of Devil May Cry? Yes. Yeah. yeah, they brought over one of the, the like, I think one of the main Devil May Cry. Uh, yeah, they, sure. they brought over Ryota Suzuki, who is the combat director of Devil May Cry 5, and he is the one who kind of um, brought those systems and kind of uh, adjusted them for Final Fantasy 16, to which he calls his personal favorite and personal masterpiece as far as battle designs go. That's what he says. And I think, I think if you're looking at it from a lens of being ex- more approachable to anybody, I, I would agree with that. But I would say that like the the combat doesn't do enough to elevate to the the, the highest levels of like a Devil May Cry four or three or five. Um, but it is definitely a lot more approachable for anybody to kind of jump in and play and feel like you're doing really really cool things like mm-hmm. so and sometimes i th- i think it's interesting is the way they uh the way they've kind of added a, a difficulty modifier is mm-hmm. with jewelry which i feel like is <laughs> instead of just doing like you know go to the menu and you know select settings or whatever it's you know you put on different rings to have different ability modifiers which is mm-hmm. like i don't know do you i i kind of i kind of like that that's like an in-universe difficulty yeah adjustment i think it I think it's one of the smartest ways we've seen um, like gameplay difficulty accessibility in a long time because I think, you know, it's one thing to put a game on easy and the enemies die in one hit and, you know, your main character hardly takes any damage. But what I think is far more interesting is what this game does is that it makes you look the way you think high level play should be so it just all the ex, all the accessories make you look cool while you're playing the game which is i think a far more interesting way of doing stuff it makes dodges automatic it makes you charge magic in the background without having to hold extra buttons and for someone who doesn't have that ability to execute on that level it gives them that high level experience without compromising any of the core gameplay um like uh programming which it i think really is makes you feel beautiful. like clive yeah exactly i don't yeah, feel, feel like exactly clive. like it <laughs> <laughs> no um but, no go ahead nick what are you saying 
No, but but like to to piggyback once again off Jada, where you had mentioned that it, it is it doesn't quite reach the highs of Devil May Cry Five, and I think that's what makes this game the perfect entry point for people who have always been interested mm -hmm. in character action games or people interested in Final Fantasy. I think if you're a longtime fan of both of those things, I think you might not get everything you're looking for out of this experience. But if this is your first time, like, you know what, maybe I want to I want to play like a Devil May Cry game, but maybe not something that's not as hard. This gets you just before where Devil May Cry 5 starts to lose a lot of people. Same thing with the Final Fantasy side of this. It gets you everything you need. It gives you the a, a taste test of everything Final Fantasy has to offer without kind of providing the sustenance a Final Fantasy fan is looking for in, in the long run. And I think this is a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none situation. Cl Clive-of-all-trades, master-of-none. Clive-of-all-trades, sorry. <laughs> you, you are correct. So it gives you everything you're you. looking for without being a masterpiece. But I still think what we got is really damn good. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's it's like that when you go to a restaurant and you order that like sample platter that's got a few things of everything. That's kind of what Final Fantasy 16 is it's kind of that's interesting you know like that's i i could see how that might rub some some people the long way wrong way because they want you know they, they have a focused idea of what they want but that said it seems like this is really like this is really kind of square sticking the landing and and delivering on the thesis statement in a way they haven't in quite some time and i, I kind of want to touch on that uh nick you can kind of expand on this a little bit because you were you were chatting with the um the producer and the director about it but um this is I think this is kind of the first Final Fantasy in well over a decade that is it it kind of stepped out the door with a clear idea of what it was and managed to arrive where it was going in a timely fashion mm -hmm. and then not completely fall on its face when it got there. Uh, I mean, for instance, Final Fantasy 13, with all due respect, uh -huh. I have some Final Fantasy 13 apologists here. Uh, that was like three separate games. Like that was practically a decade worth of games coming out that... I but, you know, people had mixed reactions to. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if, like, it being a trilogy is something I would, like, fault it for, though. Like, yes, the story was kind of, like, elongated, I guess, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would fault it, like, 13's launch for that. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I guess it's sort of, it's a tricky one because that was sort of an ambitious, an ambitious experiment. But yes, it was, it was definitely kind of the start to the change in Final Fantasy games was with 13, you know, became some of the maps became a little bit more linear. It was took a little bit longer to get going into like the open world focuses. Um, it introduced the stagger meter because I don't believe it was in any of them prior Correct. to that. Um, and so like it added a lot of new things to it. Um, and so, and that, you know, for a lot of fans, that wasn't what they wanted and you know what yeah that's fine i mean there's the whole there's the the common issue with games which is just oh it takes about six hours to get good it that one took like what like a game and a half to get like i remember talking to people about the 20, third 25 one. hours people, 25 hour yeah. mark is when you get to grand pulse yeah yeah i remember people like really saying the third one was was where it was kind of hitting its stride but like you've got to you know get through two whole games there and it's that it's that yeah. part where you're like is this is this uh, a game is this game designers a stockholm syndrome like which which is it so i, I think Final Fantasy XIII also has the difficult dilemma of giving you far too many proper nouns within the first five minutes of the game of yeah. the Grand Pulse, the Lassie, the Falsi is like what? Yeah. Like I, I, I am a Final Fantasy Thirteen defender, but even now I'm like, what? What is a Lassie again? What it's, is a Falsi? It is a little tough to keep it all straight. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, and, the and fact I think that, that there is. A, 
an inconsistency between each game as well. Like they're vastly different games from 13 to 13 mm-hmm. two and lightning returns. Plus, you know, uh, final fantasy 15 was originally versus 13, 13 right. until yep. they eventually squashed that and just made it its own final fantasy. So I, w- I was going to get to that in a second in the, in the middle there, there was of course final fantasy 14, which came out its initial and it was terrible i played that initial version and i am so glad they blew up that whole world and redid it for a I realm mean, reborn kind of impressive that they, yeah. like, they just they nuked it from orbit they, they were literally like, did this is let's and and made it as part of the backstory for realm reborn which i adore i think that's it's so cool but amazing so again so smart yeah and this that one obviously like that that found its footing and it's if you if you find uh somebody who plays ff14 you you found someone who loves it i feel like, like there's not really like that is and they've also yep. you know they've had so many you know updates to it and that expansions, it's how yep. many how many final fantasy games would you even consider that at this point like it's just it's 20 massive. 20 sure why not <laughs> so yeah that's obviously it's almost in its own category but yeah back to 15 it's it's bonkers that that was revealed so far in advance as as a 13 spinoff and then it became it it took forever it became its own thing eventually uh and it was, you know, it was also, it was also an anime and it was also a movie and mm-hmm. uh, it was also a instant soup commercial in the, in the game. The short but, stories online that you had, yeah. like, it, it was a multimedia experience that you really had to do like a, a near style approach to actually being able to understand everything and near, I mean, like near automata. Uh, where you have to like scour forums looking for a short poem that was written by Luna Freya to Noctis the night before their wedding and and whatnot stuff like that is like there's so much content there and I really really like Final Fantasy 15 but it is so hard to deny that it feels like such an incomplete game and in my interview with uh, Yoshi P and um, uh, Hiroshi Takai of Final Fantasy 16. They like I was surprised at how candid they were about Final Fantasy 15. They essentially said, "Hey, look, we heard your fee- feedback about Final Fantasy 15, and a lot of people thought the ending was too abrupt. Um, so our our focus here was to try and make a game like Final Fantasy 16 that is complete from beginning to end." And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they they weren't kidding because like the the actual ending for Final Fantasy 15 was going to be dlc and then it ended up getting canceled and turned into a book so like it, it is such it is like that moment is such as a slice of the final fantasy 15 experience of the ending got canceled and now it's in a book i mean i remember um, so the, the, like just the post like post-launch updates that it got like i beat that not even like immediately when it came out like i was kind of slow on it but then by the time i did I remember there, I was just like, I, there was a sense of like buyer's remorse because they kept patching in stuff that made me want to go back. But I mm-hmm. was like, like, was it chapter 12 or 13, the one that everyone hated that they just completely, yes. yeah, they just completely like fixed it. They like nerfed it or whatever. And then that, the thing that was my favorite is that, you you know, you finish the game, you've got your flying Cadillac or whatever. And like, it's theoretically an open world game but if you land your car anywhere that's not the road it explodes immediately <laughs> yeah, <if you'd> like, <laughs> yeah. and then i was like it is like horrific it's yeah. really yeah that was that was really uh i i feel like kind of um missed the point of, of an I, open world game but also extremely funny and then it got funnier because they were like yeah it's got monster truck tires now and i was yeah. like <laughs> i was already onto some other thing at that point and i was kind of like oh man i wish i'd wait, waited on this i i have never fast traveled more in a final fantasy game than i have in final fantasy 15 because i was just like i was like uh, 
I don't want to crash and blow up. Because <laughs> like people are saying, like, oh, you know, I don't understand how Final Fantasy 16 is an actual evolution of the franchise. And honestly, I think everything we talk about from 13 to 16, like we see it there. People were pissed at 13 for being too quote unquote linear. But the, the problem is Final Fantasy's always been linear. It just mm -hmm. gives you the illusion of an open world because they're like, hey, you gotta get from point A to point B. But what if that space between A and B was just semi-big, but you still have to get to point B. And that's what Final Fantasy 15 did, open world, quote unquote, but really the main quest is still A to B. And so I think what 16 does is it takes that linearity and it makes it a lot more cinematic. Same thing with 15. Mm -hmm. 15 was fantastic with its party relationships and i think that's one of the strongest points of final fantasy 16 is the character to character interactions there's actual nuance to the body language of our character models which i think is kind of the first time i've ever noticed that in a video game like it, oh. performances are, are are top tier in this and i think it shows from beginning to end i'm so glad you brought that up because i'm so tired of like getting in these games and you're just talking to somebody else and they're just standing there just like yes how are you doing today? Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. The sky is falling and blah, blah, blah. We should really do something. And then Final Fantasy 16 is like, you know, they've, they've got hand gestures and everything like that. They're moving around like, and other games have done that to a degree, but I don't think it has, I think Final Fantasy 16 really marries that concept together and does such a great job of like putting the focus on it. There is a scene in a tavern that you go to and i think the camera work is some of my favorite camera work i've seen in a video game um and it's just it's excellent i was like i am so enthralled watching it there's not a whole lot going on but the camera work the camera is doing its job and it's really just filming what you want to see and it's great it does they did yeah. they've done a really good job with 16. No, I mean, I, bigger picture to sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. verbally zoom out. I think like what's fascinating is that the, the timeline of 16, it was announced alongside the PS5, basically. It was part of that one of those first showcases. And then, you know, we got a pretty steady stream of updates without it feeling like it was kind of just being strung along. Uh, and then it came out in less than three years since it was revealed and people like it. And that's that seems like so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the other one we're not talking about is, is uh, you know, FF7 Remake, which... I feel like it's just is kind of waiting for Godot. Like it's just we're waiting on two thirds of that game, mm -hmm. you know, not counting this little weird interstitial side story guidance stuff that's happening in between. And, you know, that's I, I, the jury's out on how that's even going to be received whenever it eventually finally releases in, it, in its full form. And it's going to be really good. It's going to be 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 fantastic. It has to be good. It has to be. If you're playing three whole games, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. Yeah, by the time you get there, you're gonna, it's going to be great. You're gonna if it's not, if it's not good, then yeah. what's the point? Yeah, if you play all those games, you're not really a Final Fantasy. Why would you play it if you're not a fan? And if you're not a fan, why would you not like it? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, so it's yeah. going to be good. As you said, it's got to be. Yeah, of course, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I love Remake. I think Remake is, I think what, what Square Enix is doing right now with Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy XVI is really giving fans their cake and letting them eat it too. Like, it's really giving, so a lot of people, you know, that have been, most of the complaints about 16 is like, oh, I want turn-based, so it doesn't feel like Final Fantasy. It's not Final Fantasy enough. And it's like, well, you've got 7 Remake that literally just dropped, uh, like, a couple years ago, and we've got Rebirth dropping uh, into this year, early next year, whatever that window is, winter 2023, whatever that means uh, to Square Enix at this point. Um, and that, that gives you your classic characters. It gives you your 
not turn-based combat anymore, but it gives you that kind of that feeling of going back to seven, which had turn-based combat, um, which you could still like back in seven, you could still play with like the active mode where it time moved regardless of whether you put inputs in or not. Um, and so like it's, ATB, it's the active time battle. Yeah. It's <laughs> always had an active time battle system. And so like, seven remake and rebirth are just kind of the like evolution of that yeah i mean the tricky thing yeah. there is how much of those are, they're obviously their remakes but there's also a little bit of rebirth i think what, what do you think the third one's gonna be called it's gonna be re something or r something it can't be it can't be reunion because gonna, that's the yeah, name of the, the movie mm. or not movie no, but, that's um, the name the, of um Crisis Core Reunion. Yes, yes, Crisis Core Reunion. The yeah, the, the just, just, I think it's going to be revisual revisualization. Revengeance. <laughs> Revengeance. I think yes. I, I really, I really hope they don't go with Revelations, but I feel like it could also be, you know, in that it's the final. Yeah, you know, Revelations would yeah, fit. I feel like the, a video game company should be fined for using that word in titles of games. <laughs> uh, but no, so to yeah, pull back. I, I I think it's really it's cool to see Final Fantasy kind of just just complete the assignment on time. Seems no, like I agree. Got a pretty good grade at the end, and that's, I don't know. That's, that's what we're all in school for. We're yeah. all in school to get good grades. Um, that said, we've touched on this for a second ago, but the, one of the big sort of part of the mission statement, I, f I feel like, with, with 16 was Square is trying to appeal to a new generation of fans. Mm -hmm. And we've seen some pretty major changes to what people think of as the conventional Final Fantasy experience, but in a, in a lot of ways, 16 seems like it's kind of refining on some core ideas what the series has to it. But at the same time, it's got a 16 in the title, which seems like it's the kind of thing that could scare people off. So I'm curious, do you think this will appeal to a new generation of fans, Jada? Yeah, I think it will. I think, you know, if you look at like just I don't think they've released sales numbers or anything on it yet, but just score wise, it's in just kind of general consensus around social and stuff like that from people talking about it. A lot more people are getting into it. A lot of people are, you know, it's their first Final Fantasy and they're really liking it. So um, hopefully that encourages them to go back and play some of the older ones in the catalog and then be ready for whatever 17 ends up being or looking like. Um, and, you know, I'm excited for that. You think personally. they're going to call it 17 or are they going to just throw a word in there instead? Ooh, I think they're going to use. I hope they do 17 because I have a very fondness for the number 17. So I feel like they really they really want to get all the way to 20 with the Roman numerals because that's like a sick. That's a sick Roman numeral. You get two X's. Yeah. But after that point, it's like it really it starts, you know, I mean, I feel like I want to see a C in there. I want yeah. a 50. <laughs> yeah. Get a, is that C, is C, L, 100? C is 100. C is 100. L is 50. I want Final, I want Final Fantasy L. <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want to get to L. I don't know. I can <laughs> skip L. <laughs> no, I mean I feel like even with uh with with software like Photoshop hit a certain point and they were like yeah, we're not like I think it was after 9 or something. They were like, "Yeah, it's uh we're changing to CS. It's going to be CS." And they're like, "Oh, let's just call it years. Let's just screw it. It's gonna be Final mm -hmm. Fantasy 2023, 2029, whatever." I I actually hope we don't ever get to a year get to a point where Final Fantasy is just throwing the year. It will never like, do that. Maybe it'll be the year the year of the realm and it'll be yeah like, yeah that would make sense like because i think a good chunk of this game takes like year in the year 878 so but it's a weird that'd be a weird number to put it's a good year it's a good year it's a good year nick what about you do you think that 16 has enough to kind of pull in a new a new audience and what do you think yeah i i mean i i think it's our the it's already you know anecdotal sure but it, it feels like a lot more people are coming to Final Fantasy for the first time with the release of 16. And I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that there are a decent amount of PS5s out in the market with not a whole lot of first-party titles to play on them or, um, you know, exclusive games to play on them, I should say. And I think that if you are a PS5 owner hungry for something new, 
this kind of uh, checks all the boxes. So yeah, I, I just, I, I think that people are going to be into Final Fantasy after this. I do worry a little bit that because of how approachable this game is, they're going to look back and be like, yeah, none of these games are, are particularly my jam. But I think that there is enough personality in Final Fantasy 16 and a lot of core Final Fantasy DNA to get them to go back and be like, you know what? Where did Moogle start to come in? Let's go see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go see where Moogle started where did they showing come up. From? Or, yeah, and I think that there's enough there to uh, enough like tantalizing fun uh, markers of the Final Fantasy series that'll encourage people to go back. And then we will inevitably look at a subreddit or forum post of which Final Fantasy should I play next? 16 was my first one, and those are my favorite posts because it's mm-hmm. just opening a world of fascinating possibilities which, which should to, they play next newcomers for somebody who loves 16 where do they go from here honestly probably seven remake yep. because it takes that action strategy and kind of adds a more traditional final fantasy spin to it and then from there i think you go to like 12 or 10 and never then 12 but 10 backwards. yes i agree what, I, I love what, what if you don't you, know, like, <laughs> I, yeah, you want to keep your you want to keep your your fantasy nice and medieval european yes you know, okay if you want to keep that yes i mean that's final fantasy 4 Four, yeah. Just the last. <laughs> You're gonna go all the way back there. I Gotta mean, go all the way yeah, back. I mean, if you want stories with like dragoons and stuff like that, and you know, paladins and dark knights and stuff like that, that's four. Fair enough. It shares a lot of DNA with four. Like in the demo, we see the there's a combat encounter with the dragoon who's like looking sick as hell, posted at the top of a castle, like on one leg, and that's just a straight up Kane's pose from a. Uh, Final Fantasy IV, when mm-hmm. Kane is the dragoon of that game. So, like, there are such loving homages present in in sixteen that I think it'll get people to go back. Kind of like the phenomena of growing up of, like, hey, I don't understand this reference this movie is making. Let me, let me devour an internet archive or whatever in an attempt to figure out what this Simpsons reference is. And I think it is kind of akin to that, where you want to see where it all started what are dragoons and why does this guy look so cool and brooding i want this i, I want the, the series aesthetic to go to do to do six like i feel like six mm. has such a specific you know look to it which yeah. is like steampunk but not annoyingly so you know it, it's like steampunk high fantasy without yeah. being annoying about it yeah it's I love <laughs> steampunk but i don't hate it yeah Plus, yeah exactly mechs, which we, we, get, we yes. get some mechs in there um Anyway, yeah, uh, viewers, listeners, let us know what you think. Curious to hear what everyone thinks because obviously Final Fantasy isn't going anywhere. Uh, it's going to be interesting it's to see be sort of here how, forever. It, how it sustains itself. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? 
One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, moving on from Final Fantasy, for anybody who uh, didn't care about Final Fantasy, you probably stopped listening 20 minutes ago. Uh, but <laughs> let's talk about something big going on in the world of PlayStation, which is, of course, the big, huge Xbox, Activision, Blizzard, FTC trial that's going on right now. Uh, IGN's been covering that. We've, we've, we've literally got a uh, woman on the street out there keeping an eye on it. Uh, Rebecca Valentine has been keeping tabs on ever, all the developments coming out of there. There have been some delightfully catty little tidbits here and there mm-hmm. of various CEOs and important people saying little things here and there. And I figured we could run over kind of some of the, the bigger takeaways, specifically from a, a PlayStation perspective. Uh, the kind of the big bone of contention here is Call of Duty. Like that is, it's the it is the best selling video game franchise in history. Uh, it is regularly the big best selling game of the year. Maybe uh, I feel like a lot of us don't even play it. Or some of us do. I don't. It's it's one of those just kind of weird like yeah. it's people buy a console just to play Call of Duty. Uh, so obviously, you know, PlayStation wants to you know keep selling copies of Call of Duty. And it seems like that's going to continue. Phil Spencer said, I'll do whatever it takes to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, which, uh, you know, that's kind of just a, a, a CEO pleasantry. That sounds oh, like very a not to rock the boat. That said, a judge reminded him that he was under oath, and he said, we have no plan. I'm making a commitment standing here that we will not put pull Call of Duty, it is my testimony, from PlayStation. So that's like... That's a nice kind of peace of mind for anybody who is, mm-hmm. is concerned about that. And one person who uh, I guess wasn't or maybe could have been is Jim Ryan, uh, who said, pretty sure we'll continue to see COD on PlayStation for many years to come. So they have some type of like 
background backroom handshake or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, like w the Call of Duty still like sells plenty of microtransactions and DLC and stuff. So even if it is on on PlayStation, I'm sure that it it would make money for Microsoft in the long run. Yeah, the thing for me is like so like. Hey, I've you know I've said this multiple times on the show. Like I'm against consolidation, studios being bought and stuff, and going into it because we get to the point where it makes competition less aggressive between each other, which gives us worse products. Like competition breeds excellency, so we want that type of competition. Um, and so, like you know, saying that I would keep you know there's no plans to pull Call of Duty from PlayStation consoles. That doesn't mean call what the same Call of Duty is going on both. You know, it could mean that there's a different Call of Duty going to PlayStation than there is going to Xbox. It could mean that it's launched in different, you know, a year later. So, like, everybody on PlayStation playing Call of Duty is playing, you know, can you imagine playing, like, Modern Warfare 1 for, I mean, Modern Warfare 1, it's a bad example, but Modern Warfare 1, while everybody else is playing Modern Warfare 2 on Xbox. Like, I was going to say, like, like, Xbox gets, like, you know, a brand new Modern Warfare 3 Redux, and PlayStation 5 gets a port <laughs> of the Wii U version of Black Ops. <laughs> there you go, exactly. So I'm not saying that this is going to happen, and this isn't me, like, you know, uh, pom-poming for, si for either side on this. It's just, like, it's just me looking at their words and what they say and how we know businesses tend to operate from time to time. Like, there, you know, there's so many things that corporations get away with the fine print and how they word specific things. Mm -hmm. And it's why they have armies and armies of lawyers that, you know, I could only wish to ever be able to afford for anything yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, you know, and so like, it's just a matter of like what that could mean in the future. So I do hope Call of Duty remains equal on both consoles going forward. And I think it will, but I mean, one thing that's, that's a keep point here is that it's a it's a huge multiplayer game if if yep. people are somehow unfamiliar with that and that you know lives and dies based <laughs> Never on heard of call, this call of call of duty you can play with your friends with my on friends the computer. on the computer yeah, you use your phone line to connect to the world wide web and you get to shoot your friends in the head it's wild wow you don't have to shoot your cousin in the head on the split screen anymore i don't think you can even do that no no but but seriously like having a massive thriving player base is what kind of keeps the lights on like you know obviously selling a box copy every year is great and all but i think having a uh, you know consistent steady player count in warzone is a mm -hmm. big deal yep. and you know cross play goes a long way for that because it's it's those players are all playing in one big swimming pool as opposed to the kitty pond being all in weird separate hot tubs or i don't know where we're going with this analogy but you know water it's yeah. wet I don't, I don't i don't think you need to testify <laughs> under oath to be like yeah, I promise Call of Duty is going to come to this uh, all of the other platforms. I, that, that's just a thing that I inherently believe the first time they said it. Yeah. So I don't need them to have a, a hand on a Bible uh, and whatnot when they're saying it. But um, yeah, I, I think any moves, you know, again, I know this is pure speculation on Jada's side, but yeah. if they were to ever do anything that felt remotely hinky, from the uh, Activision Microsoft side, it would be such a bad PR move that it would just be one of those things that like, yeah, we would we would never do that because the, the it's such a bad look on us. And I think frankly, there's nothing to gain from Microsoft side to have it only be on Xbox because as you mentioned, you know, having a, a, an actual online community and a player base is going to be the thing that keeps Call of Duty fueled. Where I do think more interesting conversations are to be had are with, everything else microsoft owns mm -hmm. uh whether it be the bethesda side of things well I, I mean i think that's the biggest one right yeah. the bethesda side well let's let's talk about that um obviously th this is this has been an awkward an awkward breakup so to speak because uh <laughs> i think what two two of bethesda's last games which came out 
I think since this was all first talked about, mm-hmm. were obviously Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, which were initially, you know, timed PlayStation exclusives. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly mm-hmm. it was like, I don't know, it was, it was pretty funny to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, my, my, <laughs> Microsoft bought Zenimax Media. Anyway, Ghostwire Tokyo exclusively on PlayStation. What? What? <laughs> uh, and apparently that, you know, those those coming out was, was sort of a, a concern for, you know, Xbox unsurprisingly. And that was, you know, that was a case of, of, Sony paying to keep them off of Xbox. Like that's that's how that business works. Mm-hmm. And obviously Xbox was concerned about Starfield, which is kind of the next big thing. And uh yeah, that that's not I mean, it doesn't seem like that's going to be coming to PS5, you know, period. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll come come out later on down the road, but a decade later with all the mods and it'll be the the Starfield of the Year edition. Yeah, pretty much. Um I don't yeah, know. I mean, it, who knows? That Doubt I mean, it. could uh they did say that uh were it coming to PlayStation 5, it would not be coming out this year, which is understandable because they would have had to develop it for two different consoles two different many systems yeah yeah it just yeah it makes sense yeah um and they just export as ps5 i don't understand just you just copy (laughs) paste that with skyrim and look what happened there (laughs) rename dot xbox to dot ps3 and then suddenly (laughs) your dude explodes if he has too many swords in his pocket or whatever uh (laughs) sounds like a good problem to have speaking of which elder scrolls 6 uh, apparently, I love that they just they just completely just spoil everything with these mm-hmm. with these you know big uh, court cases. Which is, you know, if you're gonna have a room full of people in in you know sitting in chairs and pointed one direction, and they're gonna make big reveals like this, I feel like I kind of prefer it's you know a game awards or like yeah. a Xbox showcase <laughs> than like a federal hearing. But I'll take it. Uh, Elder Scrolls Six is apparently five plus years away. PlayStation version is still possible. So, you know, I would assume that if they if it's that far off, they're they haven't nailed that stuff down yet, but that's an interesting kind of little, you know, I, carrot to dangle in the air. I almost wouldn't be surprised if they wait to see just how Starfield performs being Xbox exclusive before they make that decision with Elder Scrolls. Just because, like, mm. obviously Starfield is going to perform well, but how well it performs it will be, like, a different metric for how they compare it to, like, should we maybe consider PlayStation fans for Elder Scrolls Six? I don't really care either way. I like Elder Scrolls as a franchise, but it's not a make or break for me on PlayStation. But I know there are a lot of people out there who really love their Elder Scrolls and really love their PlayStation and would literally love to play it on their PlayStation. So who knows? A game that's five plus years away. They can, I feel like they can say without perjuring themselves that, yeah, it's still possible. I mean, they yes. put, they put Skyrim on Amazon Alexa. So like, mm-hmm. sure, anything could happen. <laughs> like they're like, we're putting Starfield on the text adventure on PS5. Wink, wink. We, I mean, like, it's also like, we don't even know what the consoles are going to look like in five years. No. Like we'll be potentially like getting, gearing up for the next generation in five plus years. It's translucent sphere. You put both hands on it to play the games. That'd be great. I think the future looks like, uh, but yeah, it sort of closer on the horizon aside from elder scrolls six is outer worlds Two. Mm -hmm. exclusivity for that has also not been decided. So, you know, possibility we see that on other platforms. Uh, it, it's funny that we have all these like sort of uh, you know the, the skies falling revelations about what could happen here because Microsoft has scooped up massive companies and still kept things on multiple platforms. Minecraft, for instance, they bought Mojang a million years ago, and you know Minecraft stuff has continued to to come out for multiple platforms. Obviously, they've they kind of like Minecraft Dungeons and uh, Legends was it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are both. Legends, yeah. Those were both Xbox exclusive, right? They kind of stuck on there. I believe. Xbox and, and PC as well. PC, sure, yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, whatever. That's fine. But like the main, the main core Minecraft experience hasn't been disrupted. That said, this is a funny little petty catty takeaway. Uh, 
it doesn't have a PS5 version because Sony didn't send Microsoft any dev kits, <laughs> which is just... I mean, it's, but also kind of understandable. Like you don't want to send dev kits to your direct, com one of your direct competitors yeah. and be like, let's see what's inside of this. Like that dev kit would never have made it to the Mojang studios. Like it just wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it would, Microsoft would have intercepted it with their, the ninjas. Yeah. I don't, I, I also, I also feel like honestly, if, if Microsoft wanted to get their hands on a PS5 dev kit, they could probably do that. You know? yeah, they probably have their own ninjas. <laughs> and in their, well, that they now own all the, the, the Modern Warfare guys to get their night vision goggles, swoop in there. <laughs> you know? They also have Ninja Theory. So they've got a, probably yeah, got a couple, they probably got a couple ninjas there. <laughs> uh, now this is an interesting one. Machine Games' upcoming Indiana Jones game uh, was originally planned to be cross-platform, but that's now going to be an Xbox and PC exclusive. And this fascinates me because this is also these big companies playing with someone else's toys. Like this mm -hmm. is a Disney property. Mm -hmm. And you'd think that Disney would want to kind of just proliferate their stuff as much as possible and get it, you know, they don't want to play favorites on that front. And I imagine there's some weird phone calls that happen on that side. I think there was one little tidbit that came. That might have been just like a weird rumor leak. Somebody's saying that it's it's first person, but also third person, which really doesn't help us figure out what the game looks like in action. So it means it's like most likely like a third person, but if you get a sniper rifle, it goes to first person. I don't or know. You're like all, in right. first person, unless you get on a biplane and then it's third. The, the, the opposite, yeah. So it could be one of these or possibly another option that narrows it down a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, this is when I, you go in the fridge, it goes third hmm. person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, I mean that's. I was expecting to see something about this game this year, mm -hmm. and I can't help but wonder how that's getting kind of held up by this whole debacle situation yeah weird to think about it's it feels i mean we're getting an indiana jones game or movie out in like 20 minutes and i'm i don't know i feel like the, the buzz on that is kind of lukewarm it was an okay movie what it was an okay movie i went to the premiere did you yeah i went to you the premiere. yeah yeah oh, okay yeah it was, it was cool did you at any point sit there going i wish there was a video game of this no i didn't oh, at okay. any point at any given time well, then um but I got to see, you know, um, John Williams do, do a con, uh, conduct a live orchestra oh, for a bunch of songs cool. huh. premiere. So it was really cool. All right. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. Cool. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna get to do an ending explained video, even though I haven't seen it. So that's <laughs> Gotta love reading scripts. Collateral damage of this job. Do you want me to uh, do you want me to do it? No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, honest, I honestly, I'm like kind of it. It feels. Part, part of me is dead inside that I'm not more excited. I'm actually more excited about the Indiana Jones game than the than the, yeah. the yeah. movie, which I, I'm, I'm bummed same. isn't on uh, on you know PlayStation. I want to know what the, the <laughs> haptics of whip the whip crack. That would actually been cool. The haptics would have been really cool. But for me, I don't know because they had the Indiana Jones game on the original Xbox. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I've always expected to play the next game on Xbox regardless. That's just kind of how my brain works. It's like when I play Tomb Raider, I like to play that on PlayStation. Final Fantasy, I like to play that on PlayStation because that's where I originally played them. So it's just kind of it's a weird weird thing like that my gymnastics that my brain does it's like you played this game here it's this type of series so i play them on that i get that that's Indy, fair i'm just glad he does strike me as an xbox guy though like right? i feel like he would own an xbox for sure mm -hmm. the only way to play an indiana jones game is on a macintosh perform a 575 <laughs> the fate of atlanta cd-rom <laughs> version it's got full voice acting it's great uh anyway uh the other big tidbit from the playstation thing the ftc thing is that uh, apparently next gen consoles are targeting a 2028 release which seems like a long way away but also not that far off i don't know weird to think about 2028 you said yeah yeah that's uh, that's the five plus years for the skyrim or elder scrolls it's like 6, a 10 year me. 10 year console cycle then roughly, roughly? 10 years that, that, that's like the xbox 360 ps3 generation so yeah, that feels right yeah <laughs> i don't know we don't have anything planned it's fine <laughs> Now, 
Speaking about the brutal and terrifying passage of time, I checked the calendar the other day and realized that 2023 is halfway over, which feels like a just abominable, horrifying, you know, revelation. And I figure we could run through um, some of the games that have come out this year, which there have been a lot already. I feel like as far as game of the year, we might as well do this in volume one and volume two. We should. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's let's uh, let's do this right now. I'm just going to kind of rapid fire. Uh, the the big games that have come out this year. Some of them, this highest score, I don't know, some of them are actually not that big. Some of them are very small. Some of them are uh, ports or DLC, whatever. I'm going to just get to it. The first big thing that dropped was Dead Space, the big EA remaster from Motive. What do we think of that? Solid. Thumbs, thumbs, yeah, thumbs. Yeah, give it a, thumb, give it a big, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay, yeah. double thumbs up. Thumbs okay. up. I get a single. Okay, uh, Theatrhythm Final Bar Line. Yeah, Theater Rhythm, baby. I reviewed it, 9 out of 10. That game is fantastic if you love Final Fantasy music and rhythm games. I thought Nick loved Final Fantasy. That's only one thumb from Nick. Two thumbs. I've already played the previous Theatrhythm. Um, so, like, at this point, I'm like, I'll wait until it goes on sale before I buy the new one. Totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. And there'll be a lot more I, songs. I love those games. Don't get me a, wrong. I love them. There'll be even more songs for you to play, too, at that point. Okay. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, one of the best-selling games of the year. Obviously, uh, kind of a loaded. Uh, I didn't. Release. I didn't play it, so. I, Nick's Nick's got a thumbs down on that front. I'm in the middle. I haven't played it. Can't Not say. For me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Dead Cells: Return to Castlevania. I actually keep yeah, needing to mess with this. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very up. great use of the great use of like partnering and licensing. Like, just such a great job. Now, did they announce that they've got another license thing on the way? Dead Cells. I don't think so. I, I can't remember if Konami said that they were licensing their crap out to do something else or if Dead Cells just said that they have something else in the works. And like Dead Cells is nuts. I like I, I played that a little bit when it first came out and then I went back to it and they were like, yeah, you get to be a Hotline Miami guy. You can dress up like Santa Claus. <laughs> My wife who like sunk, I don't know, God knows how many hours, just like a frighteningly addictive amount. And then also did the same thing. And I'm like playing as Santa and she's like, what are you doing? You look stupid. Why are you Santa Claus? What are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, Castlevania. Give me that music. I like the maybe the little, little mm -hmm. um, but also yeah, that's DLC. Another good character with a whip. Did we give that a nine or a ten? I, I think we give it. A, I think we give it a nine. Okay. Anyway, high scoring. That that's also right. you know I don't maybe maybe best DLC so far. Resident Evil Four. Double thumbs up, I baby. I, had, I wish I had. Yeah, if I could do one more. Three more thumbs. I'd probably put that up there. That's that's definitely my my big hurrah. I had such such high expectations for this, and it was so good, and I. Kind of hope that I, I think they just announced or just leaked a bunch of achievements for this, which would suggest that maybe our friend Ada Wong is going to come visit. Ooh. Maybe who knows? I was, maybe for I was Christmas. surprised we didn't get a, a separate Ways DLC announcement at the most recent Capcom mm. uh, showcase. That was that was a one thing I was hoping for, and I was very sad it didn't come because she even says this is or Leon says this is where we go our separate ways huh yeah i was like ah he said it he She's said it it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, i think it, it would be super smart obviously this is one of the best-selling games of the year in a totally stacked year i think dropping dlc close to the holidays is a nice way of reminding mm -hmm. people hey go check this thing out and yep and uh mm -hmm. give us some game of the year awards for this do it do it put it out um Cool. Also, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. This is ah, torn between RE4 and this. I give this one a single thumb up. Think a single thumb. A single, single thumb. Is that because you hurt thumb. your other thumb playing the whole thing on Grandmaster? I did. I did. It hurt my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, was, it, was, it was a light sprain. I only had to wear a cast for like a couple hours, Max. Thank you for putting my laundry out on the internet. Uh, no, I really like Jedi Survivor. It was great. Uh, I think it was great. I, honestly, I will give it two thumbs up. Um, I, it improved on everything I wanted from Fallen Order, and it was 
solid. Though some of the boss battles were great. Um, I hated fighting Rancors though, and so why oh, they're sick. They are sick. Um, they're sick, <laughs> and then oh, the only thing yeah. that the only thing that can cure their sickness is Jedi bones. Jedi bones. Nick, did you mess with this at all? Yeah, I, I finished uh, Jedi Survivor. I liked it a lot. I think uh, it is a marked improvement over the original game. Now in this game, Cal actually feels like he's attached to the ground, which is a big bonus. <laughs> um, and uh, I think the combat's really fun. I like the way it feels to move around in the game. Uh, I think overall the open world-ish setting of the hub area kind of got on my nerves after a while and i think a lot of the upgrades are a little bit arbitrary and like mm -hmm. yeah i guess i'll go climb that mountain and mm -hmm. do this thing but i think its highs outweigh its lows of which there are few yep i just wanted more planets okay i just want a little bit more a little bit more variety in my planets yeah i feel like this one improved a lot but it's it's the the fast travel still didn't fix the problem of backtracking which is incredibly hard to navigate with that weird map yeah it did make it a little bit better they fixed they fixed it they added what a lot more fast travel points and a lot more shortcuts to get back to places quick but yeah it's still it can yeah. still get better and I, that's great i think this might be my my, my pick i think i might I, this might be my favorite okay anyway uh there's also humanity which was the little the little people game little, with the little little shiba you know the leading people again, yeah a little puzzle game it. humanity just gets swept under the the crushing wheels of the many massive games dropped this year <laughs> uh nick did you mess with this one at all no, I, that's one I've been meaning to. I, I like a good puzzle game, but it needs to find me at the right moment of my life. Okay. That's a, oh, that's a very that's egg. That's very like like cool. like yeah. enlightening look at this at like very. I think that's, that's enlightenment. That's, that's fair. Puzzle that's games fair. are uh, there. There's an odd kind of. There's a, a weird thing there. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like they're. You got to be in the mood. I don't want ice cream every day, but when I do. I, I think of puzzle games as more of like an hors d'oeuvres or like a tapas kind of situation. You know, it's it's not one <laughs> enormous, you know, gargantuan feast. It's like a lot of little things you take kind of bite size. I don't know where we're going with that. Uh, Street Fighter Six. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. still playing that. I'm yeah. hooked on this dang game. I can't wait to finish Final Fantasy 16 so I can get back to my labbing and playing online again. Um, because... Oh, this yeah, but what about so what about Diablo Four? You could also play Diablo Four. I am. Yeah. I, Diablo Four <laughs> is another double thumbs up for me. I'm I'm waiting to play that with friends. So I'll be playing Street Fighter Six with one group of friends when they're online, and Diablo Four with another group of friends when play they're Street online. Street Fighter Six with your enemies, and Diablo Four with your friends. That's the way you break it up. You gotta, you gotta hit up those high school bullies on Facebook and be like, it's time to kick your ass. Meet me in the streets. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish I got it for PC now, though, just because the PC mods that are coming out are ridiculous for this. I saw like a Spider Gwen mod for Cami, and oh, it is cool. rules. fantastic. It's a good fit. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy 16. We talked about that ex extensively, yeah. excessively, even. Uh, that is, I feel like that is really kind of the last, the really last, really big one of the first half of the mm -hmm. year. A lot to pick from. Also, you know, we would be we would be rude and bad if we did not mention some of these. Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden both got big old console releases, which was mm -hmm. I feel like long overdue and exposed a whole lot of people to those awesome games. The Witcher 3 got next gen port that actually was had a substantial improvements yeah. to it. A lot of neat stuff to, mm -hmm. to add. Um, we typically only talk about PlayStation, but we would be yelled at and uh, have rocks thrown at us if we didn't also address uh, Metroid Prime Remastered, yeah. which people had a really good time with on Switch, Hi-Fi Rush, which was yeah. a wonderful Xbox exclusive mm -hmm. surprise, and then, of course, the little old game known as Tears of the Kingdom, which I feel like in the same way that we discount when we're talking about like best-selling games of the year, mm -hmm. we frequently have to be like, besides Call of Duty, because yes. that's always number one. In this case, I feel like Game of the Year should be Game of the Year besides Tears of the Kingdom. Yes, like... 
Tears of the Kingdom automatically just like wins like by yeah, default. That's gonna sweep. It's that's gonna like, sweep without question. And then everything else is just we're all fighting for second place. But they should second place should get a trophy in this case because there's so many great games coming out this year. It's one of those times where it's not necessarily a participation participation award um, that people don't like to give out. But I think you know second place should be just heralded as like the best game okay. of the year. Well, first half of game of the year for 2023. Go. Ooh, um, oh gosh. Nick, I'm g- go. Tears of the Kingdom. I uh, wish I could be a dissenting uh, opinion. What about on PlayStation? <laughs> uh, besides Tears of the Kingdom and playable on PlayStation. On PlayStation, Final Fantasy 16. Nice. Okay. All right. Jada? I th- God, I think I'm about to go Final Fantasy 16 as well. I think I feel like I'm going to put so many hours into this. Okay, so d- d- not Tears of the Kingdom and uh, subtracting for recency bias, not Final Fantasy. Okay, if I'm yeah. subtracting that, then I'm going to go Street Fighter 6. Okay. Nick? RE4. Okay. Capcom having a good year. Good year for Capcom. Very good year. Look, I I also look forward to destroying dinosaurs. So Capcom Exoprimal does look good, and I've enjoyed what I've played of it. So it it looks silly, and I want it. Yes. Um, But on that note, I think we're at time here. We've had plenty to talk about this week. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for hopping on and joining us. It was a pleasure having you. We'll get you back sometime soon. I love hanging out with you, dude. Even if if it's through a, a magic of the computer. Always a wonderful time. Jada, you're okay, too. Thank you. I like being okay. You're great. Okay is a great uh, thing to be. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everybody who listened or watched. Um, you know, as always, hop in the comments. Tell us what your game of the year of 2023, Volume 1, uh, Redux, Rebirth, whatever you want to call it. Uh, sound off in the comments, and uh, we will see you actually not next week because it's a holiday, but the week after. And on that note, beyond. Beyond. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.